This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, ring by spring, joined by Kendall Cal. Kendall, we had a disastrous game on Saturday uh, that lost to Iowa State. Baylor got off to a 29-20 lead, and then it was all downhill from there. Iowa State ends up winning big. You were there in person. I want to hear your observations. What would you see? What would you hear? Uh, good to be back from Ames. I actually had the most fun I've ever had in Ames. Saw a few Baylor staff-related folks. Uh, was They gave me a nice seat in Ames, so I was not far from the Baylor bench. So I could hear sometimes what was going on. Kind of the immediate takeaways are that the defensive woes really, really, really came back. And that I've doubled down on my take that if Baylor does not have all three guards healthy, they're not going to go too far this season. LJ Cryer still in the concussion protocol. I got kind of the insight that he probably wasn't going to go on Saturday. And that became official after he went through the procedure. I asked Scott Drew in the presser after, and he said that he has to clear it uh, via their trainer. Once Dave clears him, he'll go the second he clears him, but that hasn't happened yet. I don't know what in the world they look for in concussion protocol for basketball, vis-a-vis football. So I'm not sure what happens there, but that's where the flaws bring for Baylor. A lot of things you can point out that are negative. I did about a 30-minute video breakdown of some defensive clips where there are two or three, this isn't right. Even on plays where I'm like, I'm not sure what Baylor is trying to do here. You can just know whatever they're trying to do. It's not correct in any alignment. So that's sort of the concern is there are so many problems on defense without LJ. And LJ is not an elite defender, but he's such a good offensive player. It at least puts pressure on the other team that until LJ comes back and until they get all three guards, that's where I'm the most concerned for Baylor. So those are immediate takeaways. And there's a lot of avenues for that. Ashley, what are you kind of thinking right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, it was, it was disappointing because it seemed like it was a step back from what we've seen the last five games. You know, we, we saw a great defensive performance against Gonzaga. They've carried that forward to the other games that they played after the Gonzaga game. But then I thought on Saturday, they really got manhandled. Um, I did talk to someone who is close to the Iowa State staff, and, and he just made the comment that T.G. Otzelberger is going to do a lot like Bob Huggins did and, and a lot like Kelvin Sampson does. And the philosophy is you play really, really physical defense and the refs get foul fatigue, and sometimes they call them, sometimes they don't. Against Iowa, he said they called them. That was very tight whistle. And so Iowa State got rolled in that game. And this one, they pretty much let him uh, play, and it was very physical. And uh, Baylor didn't really respond well to that. Um, you know, you got to respond to how the officiating goes. And and they, they did early, but then the rest of the game, I thought they got manhandled quite a bit, which was disappointing. You know, I, I, I think that's my biggest concern is uh, defensively it's an effort thing, but it all starts with mental toughness. And as we talked about before we started rolling the podcast – that uh, Baylor has given up a lot of these what Evan Miyakawa would call kill shot runs and uh, over 10-point runs. Uh, the three, you know, specifically you think about is the Virginia game, the Marquette game, and then this game where I think those kill shots were over 20 points, you know, where where uh, the other team had at least a 20-plus ad- advantage during a run, you know, 20-point advantage may not have been a 20-0 run, but uh, you know what I'm saying? It's it, it's that's that's hard to overcome against good teams, and uh, Baylor certainly showed that on Saturday. Agreed with all of that. The defense just not being good against Iowa State's concerning. On top of that, because Iowa State after the game, I think is still ranked like 166 on offense on Torvik. Yeah. So it's not 2021 Baylor came in there and did that too. It's a team that has super offensive flaws. The pick and roll defense not on the same page. Keontae George gets blown by sometimes, and the help's not there on the other side. 
guys will point for, hey, you take this guy, no, you take this guy, and they don't communicate for who should take the player. So it's a lot of communicative issues. I think Baylor, after the Marquette game, decided we want to make sure people aren't on an island. Right. I don't know what really the solution is defensively for Baylor. People throw out things like a zone. Well, they're not super long. Right. And if you haven't played zone all year, it's really hard to just switch to a zone in the middle of the season. So I don't know that that's the solution either. I think it's probably just help out all the time. And if you get up some open shots, that's okay. But we got to be better about let's just help out wherever we can. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, the coaches have their work cut out for them. I, I, you know, it's there's so many things you could point to in this game, and we won't belabor it too long. We'll look forward rather than back. But, you know, I, I you, you get almost nothing from Bonner and Love off the bench, and that and that hasn't been the case all season long. They've been really good. Uh, Flo, you know, misses a lot of point blank shots. Uh, only three for six from the foul line, so he doesn't make them pay when he gets when he gets fouled. And then, you know, just I don't want to point, you know, too many fingers, but there was a few times when I at least thought, you know, what is Caleb Loner doing on defense? Because he just seemed like he was caught in no man's land and was hesitant to make a decision one way or the other. Uh, and then also Keontae George, you know, lots of, uh, I thought, you know, just not gritty defense, you know, just like uh, more AAU or uh, <laughs> high school type defense, which is common for freshmen. You know, it's, uh, you know, I think the, the freshmen, I, I know that uh, one of the Iowa State writers asked Scott Drew about the, the freshman guard for Iowa State. And, you know, he said that the one thing that really impressed him is how good he was defensively. Uh, you know, so I think, um, you know, there are freshmen that play good defense. Jeremy Sohan last year was, was obviously a, a, a shining example of that. But, uh, you know, it's you're going to live and die with some defensive mistakes from Keontae. Uh, but, you know, the grittiness has to improve, the competitive – has to improve we saw that in the UCLA game we saw it in the Gonzaga game uh we know it's we know this team's capable of that but but I also think that you know if you want to look at an optimistic scenario we get Jonathan Chambochachua back in uh, February you know arguably Baylor's best big you know certainly a lot of experience and athleticism you know he, he recovers from the injury and he plays and then we have our three guards healthy all year you know LJ Cryer uh, Keontae George and Adam Flagler, and we get a lot more from from the bench. I did think Jalen Bridges played well. Were, were you impressed with Jalen's uh, effort on Saturday? Yeah, I thought he was really good defensively. I, if you asked me to grade defensively, he'd be the only guy definitively I'd give a passing grade to. Thamba had some good possessions, but other than that, nobody else would get a passing defensive grade for me, and I, I normally try not to be that harsh, but Jalen was good defensively the way he helped out. Right. The hustle he provided on almost every play some of the instincts he had for blocks. He was cutting well off the ball. For Jalen, it really is. We just got to make some threes, my guy. Yeah. And if he can do that, you're in good shape. But I think there's a good case to be optimistic about Jalen. And he's one of the very few bright spots from that game. But yeah, Jalen deserves some platitudes for that one. And I continue to hear that Jalen shoots well from three in practice. And I know people would think, look, the guy's not going to turn it around if he's been 17% all season. But getting to 30 from 17 would sure be a monumental difference. And I think that's one of the things Baylor could hit on is he could go 30% the rest of the way. And if he's making a couple of threes a game, it is a 10 plus point score that will take pressure off the three guards because Adam uh, Keontae. And I think Jalen scored 77% of Baylor's points on Saturday. And that's just not sustainable. If only one other player is even close to scoring points, not a good game for the other guards. So yeah, this is a, hopefully it's a flush it game after this, but you don't want one to become two with that, as the cliche goes. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not comparable as far as what these two have put on paper from a from a three-point accuracy accuracy standpoint. But, 
I remember Macy Oteague getting off to a really slow start either the year before the championship year or maybe even the championship year. And then by the end of the year, he was pretty close to 40% and was knocking down most of his open shots. But, uh, you know, it, it can happen. Like, you can have a good shooter that just, for whatever reason, you know, can't put the ball in the basket first part of the year. And then all of a sudden, you get in a rhythm, you're playing daily, you're not, you know, it's maybe you're playing so much that it's not in your head as much. And, and then, you know, before you know it, that player is, uh, you know, shooting more like, you know, 40% in conference. So, so let's hope that happens with Jalen because that would really open things up offensively. But there's the turnovers have to get cleaned up. I mean, the sloppiness with the ball, uh, you know, Keontae is probably the, the main culprit there. He's got to get, you know, just way more careful with, with the uh, his ball handling. He handles it a lot. He's asked to do a lot, you know, create. So uh, normally the guys that have the ball the most are going to turn it over the most. But, uh, but even, you know, losing the ball in traffic and, and just, you know, not being strong with the ball has got to be uh, better going forward. Certainly, and way too many charges that Baylor's committing. Yeah. When they get into the lane, I was since I was close to the bench, you could really hear them. And on several of those charges, the staff was just like, we talk about jump stopping, yeah. or you have to pass there. Uh, Josh O, again, we, we normally don't like singling guys out, but our job is to analyze basketball. People pay for the site for us to do that, so that's what we're going to do. I welcome any of the Baylor players, if they're upset to me, they can come to my day job and claim I didn't file a motion correctly or <laughs> I, I should have used a different tense in a sentence. That's totally fine with me. I, I respect it all in the game. Uh, Josh O a couple of times got into the lane. We talk about the short roll. Yeah. And that leads, leads to a broader discussion about Adam as the point guard. But every team is going to trap Baylor's guards because any possession that ends with not LJ, Keontae, or Adam is a win for the defense against Baylor. Yeah. So it's going to be the big man up top with only three defenders and him along with three Baylor players. So you have a numbers advantage. And Josh O didn't do a very good job of handling the short roll. Some of that's to be expected as a freshman, but he had a couple charges. You know, Langston barreled into one of Iowa State's big men when he's got to be able to beat that guy off the dribble. Right. So there really were a lot of problems there. So I can get why the message board was a little negative. I can get why the guys were probably a little depressed after that one. It was not the worst Baylor game I've seen. I mean – the game in Lawrence last year was really bad, but yeah. it was not good. There, and was Marquette good was game. worse this year, yeah. You know what? I, I can see that, actually. I had so flushed that from my mind, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's – it's. Um, I mean, we, we love all these guys. We, we You know, I think Josh is such a good shooter from the mid-range. You just want to see him pull up and hit that little, you know, 10 to 12-foot jumper that uh, Jonathan got so good at and – and and I'd also like to see uh, Jalen Bridges, you know, especially if teams decide to zone us or, you know, let him operate in in the middle there, um, because I th- I like I trust his you know mid range shot is pretty good, you know, so that that may be a solution uh, when they you know try to get the ball out of the hands of, of the guards like you're like you're talking about. Well, big opportunity for a bounce back game. They got TCU coming to town. TCU's feeling uh, great about their state of their athletic program. Obviously, making the national championship in football. Uh, so congratulations to the Horn Frogs for that. But let's uh, make sure that we get a big Baylor crowd and and take a little, um, you know, of that uh, luster off of the program by by taking care of business and beating them at home. Uh, they are a team that has some challenges. Uh, they are experienced. They're physical. They rebound really well, but uh, not you know the best three point shooting team. So so if you can you know just really uh, do a good job on the glass. Um, which, you know, I think 
uh, that's going to be a challenge for us because because we haven't been great in that area this year. But if but if you can control the glass at home and and be the more physical team, you know I think that's that's a that's a game you should be able to to pull pull out and you know maybe even comfortably. Uh, but you got to take care of the glass or or it's going to be a long night for the Bears. Yeah, Baylor really needs to win this game after that original loss, Iowa State. And then this is a sequence where you need to try and rack up three wins in a row with TCU, K-State, West Virginia, because the schedule gets a lot tougher from here. Build that momentum. And as you mentioned, uh, looking at Torvik, they're 332nd in three-point percentage. So if you're going to lean one way defensively about do we let more threes get open, we're trying to defend the paint a little bit better. Baylor gave Gonzaga some three-point looks in Sioux Falls. I think Baylor will live with some three-point opportunities from TCU. And, you know, you don't need extra motivation after you kind of get embarrassed a bit and aims. But hopefully that's the motivation. And then, as you mentioned, we I don't cover football as much, so I don't have to worry about that. But, yeah, there are, there are a lot of people obviously not real thrilled that TCU is in the national championship game and uh, Baylor football did not have a year it should have. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, they, they are they're really good defensively, number 17 in Ken Palm. Uh, they're only 85th in offensive efficiency, TCU is. But they do some good things offensively. Uh, they don't turn it over that much. They're, they're six, uh, 33 in turnover percentage. They're 17 in offensive rebounding percentage. And then they're 60th in, in free throw attempts. So that shows you how bad their shooting is because, you know, you're 85 overall and, and you're in your – top 60 in those uh, three categories. Uh, so, so they are not a great shooting team. And, uh, you know, so Baylor has to do a really good job on the glass um, as a result. And then Kansas State, you know, the return of Jerome Tang coming in uh, that Saturday. Uh, so that, that's an opportunity for the Bears to uh, get another conference win. I mean, they're, they're playing pretty well, especially with uh, Keontae Johnson. So, you know, you got two 12-1 teams, you know, obviously – Kansas State goes to Texas, and they'll pro- they'll probably lose that game, I would suspect. Uh, and then they got Baylor on Saturday, uh, but um, you know these are opportunities for for the Bears to get you know top fifty wins at home. Got to have them, and then like you said, a big uh, road test at, at West Virginia. Well, uh, you know West Virginia looks a lot better than we thought they would before the season started. Uh, but that game against Kansas State was pretty ugly basketball. Did you did you watch any of that by chance? I did not. I was driving back for that one. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, what's uh? By the way, there are you know, the, the all's not lost. I mean, we we got some good news coming. I think uh, Eves Missy, who was a five star big in the class of twenty twenty four right now, should pick the Bears on Wednesday. He's going to make his commitment, and uh, you know, that would be a huge uh, talent piece that really fits Baylor's system like a glove. Uh, and he may class of reclassify to the twenty twenty three class. Uh, so if you look on paper what Baylor has next year in the post, uh, Jonathan Chamochachua, you know, you're hoping he comes back for another season. And then you have um, Josh uh, Ojewuna will probably be back again. And then Eves Missy, that's a really, really strong, you know, th- uh, front court with a good mixture of experience and, and youth. And, and then, you know, the backcourt, you know, you're looking at uh, Mira Little, Jacoby Walter coming in. And then, of course, you know, you hope you get LJ Cryer, D'Antoine Grimes, Langston Love, and um, who am I leaving out? Dale Bonner. Another year of development for all those guys. Jalen Bridges, Caleb Loner. You know, those are the key pieces. Uh, so I think the future looks pretty bright. But, but you know, you got to get a lot, lot of development this year. These guys have to improve. And, and uh, you know, I think that uh, the program's still in really good shape. It is. A couple things. Part of why, you know, we get critiqued from both sides, and that's very fair because I think that's when you're in a good spot. 
some people can get mad at us for saying, how dare you say anything negative? This team won the national championship last year. They won the last two Big 12 titles. They came back and beat Gonzaga after the Marquette game. And others can say, my God, you're just a bunch of sunshine pumpers. Why don't you ever, you know, say Adam Flagler's a bad point guard? Why don't you point out these things? Why aren't you pointing out the sky is falling and TCU is going to beat Georgia and nothing good's ever going to happen in life and you're not going to follow your New Year's resolutions and you might as well not even, you know, go out to the bar and hit on women because it's just never going to happen. It's like, listen, maybe maybe some of those last things are true, but the, the reason we're, I kind of try and stay toward the middle some, some days I'm more critique some days I'm less, is I think there are good critiques to this team. This team is not as good as the last two where – you don't have to be as good as the last two were to have a really good season still. And the recruiting is still at such an elite level. And the staff is still so elite. Like, you and I both talked to a lot of different people in the program. It's not a program where you hear one guy blaming somebody else when things are going poorly. Uh, or say, oh, well, it's because this side of the staff's not working hard enough. Or it's because this guy doesn't do this. Or we don't like this guy. I think sometimes they'll point out, hey, you know, we could think about doing this. But it's never attacking one person or one player against each other. It is that collaborative good effort. And so I saw somebody mention on the board, you know, will there be a story that comes out later about this guy was a culture killer? No. I mean, maybe. Maybe we're not hearing some story no. now. But I feel very confident with the people I've talked to. That's just not the case. Yeah. And the culture is good going forward. I don't, again, people might say, well, aren't you now playing yourself off against football? Dave Aranda turned it around once. I hope he can do it again. I really do have no doubt that this collection of staff is going to win a lot of games in the future again because of what they've done before, what they've turned around before, and because recruiting is still at that elite level. And we could have the side discussion about, do you want to get five stars? You do. And do you want to have other guys? It's like, you know, for all the problems Baylor has right now, there's nobody that you would have landed in the transfer portal that would have been a better guard than Keontae George that I can really think of, or that would still have the ceiling he has. And so there are a lot of still hit possibilities for this team. Does Jonathan Chamochachua come back? Can Langston Love get a little bit more athletic coming back from the ACL tear? Can Jalen make threes? Uh, does Josh Joe get more cognizant on defense? Can Flo can play Adam? better? Flo's, Flo's yeah. not – he's not played up to the level that we expected. Certainly not what he no, played I mean, like near the end of the season last year. And that's the full list. And it's not 2021 where going into the tournament, literally the only question was, can they remember how to play defense? Because they did it before and a lot of them had COVID. And then they did it. You got to hit on a lot more things this year. So ceiling's not what it was then, but you don't have to be 2021 to win a title. That's kind of the problem we all fall into is we compare our teams now inevitably to one of the four or five best college basketball teams in the last 50 years. And yeah, that's just not what the standard has to be to even win a national championship. Yeah. And, and, and I think another question is um, Keontae George, you know, his offensive efficiency so far this year, according to Ken Palm is like one Oh three. And, you know, can he get that up over one ten? That's a huge, that's a huge deal. If he can, a huge deal, you know, especially against good and, competition. Like if he can, he's capable of that for sure. Like if LJ Cryer, who's who's at a one eleven offensive efficiency, but if they can play together and start really gelling and giving us like what we saw in the UCLA game, then you know this team has a high ceiling. And especially if we can get better front court play, also. I, I know that's asking a lot, but I I do think some of the problems are Flagler being out of the lineup, Cryer being out of the lineup. You gotta you gotta get that chemistry on the court, you know. You gotta you gotta start to develop that. So hopefully, no more random injuries. And you and I were joking uh, before we did a podcast, you know, a week ago um, to, in preparation for this. It's like what what random injury is LJ Cryer going to have this week? I mean, he's just like, you know, just uh, snake bit with all these crazy injuries. But uh, 
you know, if, you, if these guys start playing together and start, and start getting some, uh, you know, uh, cohesion, then I think there's really a, a great opportunity to improve. There is. The UCLA game, I think, is kind of the blueprint for what Baylor looks like when its offense is gelling at its best. That's when Baylor got up to number one offensively on Ken Palm. And the way they did that was all three guards could shoot a million threes. Baylor, if they play the offense, I think they're going to play down the stretch when all their guys are healthy. They'll lose a game or two. Maybe you think they shouldn't because they might take 30 threes in a game and go seven of 30, but they also could go 15 of 30 right. in Allen Fieldhouse and win there. I'm not pick, I think they're going to lose in Allen Fieldhouse, but I'm saying something like that could happen. Right. Uh, they're going to have to shoot a million threes. They're going to be an elite three-point shooting team. And my analogy for Adam Flagler as a point guard right now is I think he's better than Devontae Graham was at point guard when Devontae Graham won Big 12 Player of the Year. There's this critique out there that Adam's a two-guard playing point guard. I went back and rewatched all the Iowa State game. I was on the floor during it. There were maybe only two possessions that I thought he made the wrong move. Yeah. And when you look at Adam and you say, well, he's not creating for others, he is. It's that some of these guys can't make shots right now. And when he passes the ball into a four-on-three opportunity, it's a lot better for Adam to say, you know what, let's let our big man make a play in a four-on-three opportunity than asking me to get through a double team and score. And I don't think anyone can be mad at him for taking step-back crazy threes when he's shooting 50% from deep and help Baylor get out to a 29-20 lead. So I just want to say in this, like, is Adam Flagler not a point guard debate? I think he's the second-best player in the Big 12 right now. Yeah. And I just think this Adam Flagler hate is like way off base. And I think part of it is just, I'll say it right now, Blake Shapen was not good enough at quarterback this season. And so I think it's some reflection that people are like, if the quarterback wasn't good for Baylor and we felt like people were too late to criticize the quarterback, is it possibly that the quarterback of the offense isn't good enough now? That's the one thing I'm not worried about. I am not worried about Adam Flagler at point guard. I am, as we've heard for the last 20 minutes of us talking, actually, I got a lot of other worries. I do not have any worry about Adam Flagler at point guard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, you know, I think um, LJ and uh, and Keontae have to be better taking care of the ball and and really, you know, g- getting to a position where when Adam, you know, puts it on time and you know on and right in the right spot for them, that they just, you know, they score. They they you know they shoot it. They don't like you know try to take it you know one on two into the teeth of a defense. You know, I I think I think that uh, you know they're. I mean, th- those three together are capable of so much. And, and I think, you know, before the season, we thought this was the ba- best backcourt in the nation. It hasn't played like the best backcourt in the nation. Adam has. A- Adam's, you know, held up his into the bargain. But, uh, but you know, there's still a lot of season left. And I think uh, LJ and uh, Keontae both can play much better. And I think Langston can be more consistent off the bench. And, and Dale, I was really surprised by Dale's performance. Uh, y- you know, he didn't embarrass himself but you know he's just capable of so much more and and i don't think he just played up to his uh standard game uh, that against iowa state he had been playing great before that game they all are and that's if this were 20 again 2011 is what we always fall back to because that's the like disaster baylor season it didn't take too long in 2011 just to be like all right well if place area is done doesn't drop 40 points or whatever he did against colorado this team's just not going to win games against yeah. good big 12 teams right that's not this it's not yeah. 2011 but to avoid a kind of 2018 outcome where you look back and wonder, oh, my God, how this team missed the tournament. These are the things that have to get in line. Enough of them that will hit that I'm very confident Baylor is an NCAA tournament team. But how many hit is the question between are you an 8-9 seed that has to go North Carolina to make a run of the tournament? Or are you a team that can get up to that 3-4, maybe even a better line 
and still contend for a Final Four. That's where I think Baylor still is and has to find itself. Yeah, and, and if you put a gun to my head right now and said, who's going to finish one and two in the Big 12? I mean, I probably would pick Kansas at this point, uh, but I would say Baylor number two. I, I don't trust Texas. I don't trust them. I mean, they're that's going to be chaotic. I mean, you know, the, these these coaches, like we've talked about on many podcasts before, they're going to be looking for jobs. From everything I've heard, Marcus Carr is a complete cancer. Uh, then you got the Arteria Morris situation, you know, uh, accused of um, assaulting his girlfriend, going to trial, I think, this week, you know. Uh, so so that trial is going to come down. I mean, that's that's not a recipe for a team that's going to finish one or two in the, in the Big 12, even though on paper and Ken Palm, the computers, they all love them. Uh, but I, I just think the wheels are going to come off there. Uh, so when all said and done, I would bet on Baylor and Kansas uh, finishing one and two. But, you know, I, I can understand why people are listening to this going, that's crazy uh, based on what they saw Saturday. Uh, but I do think uh, this the staff is so good. It's such a long season that, um, you, you know, you play everybody twice, you play 18 games. Baylor just has to really take care of things at home. They got to go, you know, nine and zero or eight and one at home. And, and that's the recipe for for having a really good season. And and we've they've proven that they've been a good road team in past years. Like last year, they went seven and two on the road. That's incredible. Uh, you know, obviously, it's going to be hard to do that after dropping your first one to Iowa State, but it's still possible to go five and four, six and three, something like that. So, uh, you know, they just have to you know start to developing some rhythm and and uh, you know get get their guys playing together, and then hoping for the return of Jonathan Chambochacho. I think that would be a, a huge shot in the arm if he can come back. Yep. Two things off of that, Ashley. First. I can confirm it can sometimes be tough to navigate a court schedule and making sure you're at all the games or you have time for everything. So I wish Texas the best with navigating whatever they have court wise. And, you know, it can just be challenging. Uh, certainly not to make light of the situation, just to point out, you know, I know that if you got to go to court and then you got to worry about games, that can be a lot going on. And it sounds like multiple people from what you're saying, Ashley, if I hadn't heard what had happened at Texas over the last several months are going to have to deal with court dates. So, uh, that's something there for the University of Texas at Austin. Um, second thing I would say is I know people are probably wondering, because you've alluded to it and I've alluded to it, will John play again is probably a question from this. Yeah. My answer is I don't know. Right. Uh, I think they. what I can say is they have not ruled him out. Uh, I think there is a chance he goes. I think we know from the John principles he's going to want to play. If there's any shot, he can play. But Baylor is going to be very conservative with the injury. Right. And then if he can go – it does he look like Jonathan of the past? And then is it still valuable if he's speed wise, not Jonathan, just to have somebody who's that intellectually dominant in terms of, I don't think John really ever messes up defenses. And he's so, so loud about what are you calling? Like I could be sitting on the other side of the arena and I can hear John shout ice or yeah, switch. Right. And that's such a positive for Baylor that, yeah, if he can go, if you, if I see Jonathan, John with on the court, I'm feeling good for Baylor. I don't know that it's going to happen, but I'm hopeful just for John that that can happen because he's one of my favorite people in the world to talk to. And so I really hope it can happen for John, but I still don't know if it will. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's I, I think expectation wise, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it because it's probably good to just consider him not being able to play. Um, but if you want to look at a best case scenario, he, it probably involves him uh, being able to play and have a role on this team. Or, you know, Flo Thamba, Caleb Lohner, Jalen Bridges, and Josh Ojawuna all play much better, you know, down as, as, as conference picks up and, and they find a rhythm. You know, they're all new uh, to the program except for uh, Flo Thamba. 
you know, so maybe those other three can, can really uh, start to gel with the guards and, and really understand what the coaches want and uh, really get comfortable out there on the court. And, and I would say that, you know, probably the best uh, possibility of that happened is Jalen Bridges. And I think he took a step on Saturday. He played really well. You know, it's uh, that was encouraging to me. So if, if they can get that consistently from him, then I think the rest of the team will, will come around too. And, and, uh, you know, Adam and Jalen were probably the only two that you can look at and said they had great games um, or good games. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, Keontae scored in the second half. He did some good things and, and took a charge, you know, made a great pass. I mean, there, there were some good things he did. And, and, and if he can just uh, consistently deal with the turnovers, you know, shot selection, uh, you know, get to, the, get to the foul line like he's capable, then, then that's really good for Baylor basketball as well. Yeah, Keontae's I care is the highest I've ever seen for a freshman. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, and, and, games, and, I, and I've been ragging on him too much, and that's a great point. His competitiveness is awesome. I love it. I love that about him. Yeah, competitiveness, and I think intelligence are really high as well. After the games, I was there both for Virginia. I was at the kind of scorer's table right behind it. Uh, Brian Etheridge uh, and his wife were there as well. Uh, Kristen, when we were there for that, uh, great people. When we were there for that, you could see Keontae after the game just so shaken up about losing. Right. And then after the Iowa State game, same deal. You know, Tweety Carter was consoling him about, hey, man, you did a great job in the second half. It's all good. But this is not somebody who is thinking, okay, three months from now I'm going to be a millionaire playing for an NBA franchise. He desperately wants to win for Baylor now. And I've heard he's sold the program so well for people in recruiting. Yeah. And I don't think that's like a thing I can't mention. So sorry if somebody didn't want me to mention that. But <laughs> I've heard he's really sold the program well to prospects yeah. and talked up, you know, I love Baylor. You should come here. You're going to get great here. That we're being critical of Keontae because I think he can take us being critical of Keontae loves to listen to our podcast. Uh, I think he can take that. And I have faith in him because it's just nice to see freshmen. And that's not me attacking Kendall Brown or Jeremy or others, but I'm attacking Ben Simmons by saying this. He is the antithesis of Ben Simmons. We're not going to wake up one day and Keontae's going to forget how to play basketball. We're going to wake up six months from now and say, man, Keontae got really good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He puts in a lot of work. He's, uh, he, he's got, you know, some uh, mistakes that happen because he's aggressive and you always want that versus not being aggressive. You know, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, overall we're judging him based on a five-star one-and-done freshman. And, you know, kind of the same with Kendall Brown last year versus judging him as as a typical college freshman and that's not really fair to him uh but they're but they're counting on him you know they're counting on him to be good and uh he can be he can be great he can be great so we're hoping that he takes that big leap in conference play and i think he's very capable of it yep i do as well well we've gone 30 minutes uh we just want to give you some thoughts after the iowa state game and uh, if, if you're on the fence the uh, baylor bears need you you know, these two games, conference is huge. You know, you look at Ken Palm and the predictions. They've got, you know, Texas and Kansas at 12 and 6, West Virginia and Baylor at 9 and 9, and the rest of the conference at 8 and 10. <laughs> that's, that's how much of a dogfight these games are going to be. And so protecting your home court is critical. Uh, big opportunity to do that Wednesday against TCU. Uh, Baylor's rival, you know, Baylor has, has pretty much dominated them in basketball in recent years, and uh, this is a big opportunity for them to get that win against the Horned Frogs. And then, of course, uh, Kansas State, the return of Jerome Tang, who we love, but we also want to love him, uh, send him out to back to Manhattan with a loss. And, uh, you know, then we hit the road against uh, West Virginia and then a big home game uh, next Saturday against Oklahoma State. We saw what they're capable of, uh, almost beat uh, Kansas and probably should have beaten Kansas and, and Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. 
But you've been listening to a Second 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Couch, Second Bears.